You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing strategies to identify and manage patient fear and anxiety. Our guest is Leanne Kiefer, an expert in the field of infection control and a noted international speaker and dental hygienist. She serves on various foundation and publication boards in the U.S. and Canada and is on the editorial board for OSAP. Leanne is currently the Director of Education for Crosstex International. Leanne, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, we're here to make offices safer for dental visits, and now we want to make them more comfortable for patients as well. Right, and when you do that with the proper nitrous oxide oxygen sedation for sure. So we all know that many patients are anxious before they come to the dentist. Um, in fact, that's why many of them don't come in unless there's an emergency, which is kind of a shame. Um, but what are some of the indicators of dental anxiety in a patient? Great question, Phil. And I think sometimes, um, you know, patients try and sort of hide it because they're embarrassed. And sometimes we're not looking for the right things. When we consider, there's been some research done, Phil, and it's estimated that between 6 and 14% of the population in the U.S. has some level of dental fear anxiety. And if you think about it, that's going to translate into between 15 and 34 million people. So it is a reality. And um, we know that I found this interesting that the group, the demographic that has the highest anxiety or fear level in regards to dental care is our 40 to 64-year-olds. And um, I just thought that was sort of an interesting sidebar with the least nervous people being our 80-plus patients, our seniors, um, who are able to keep their teeth longer. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Hmm, that's but, a really interesting yeah. statistic. Yeah, I was not aware of that. Yeah. And um, the other thing, and I'm sure you'll enjoy this, Phil, it's been reported that 21% of females report some anxiety um, with dental office visits, while 12% of males report the anxiety. Again, this is self-reporting, so I'll let you take that where you will. Mm -hmm. That's also an interesting stat. Um, So what are some of the effects of dental anxiety? How does it affect the patient and how does it affect the dentist and the whole the whole relationship in the office. And I think that's a great way to say, how does it affect the entire office? Because it is the patient, but it's also the practice. And for the patient, a lot of times what we see is is when they have these feelings of fear and anxiety, and we don't have time to talk about it today, but there is a difference between fear and anxiety. And there's also a difference in how those are managed. And then we have phobic patients, a small percentage as well. You know, But that's a time for another discussion. When patients have some sort of fear or anxiety, the first thing that one of the things that can happen is they're going to avoid dental care. Um, you know, they just don't want to be faced with that reality. So they do things like they may be late for appointments. They may be those that continually, you know, cancel and cancel and reschedule. And as you said, unfortunately, the result of this is there is a deterioration of their oral health, and then they may get into an emergent situation which coming in when they're in pain plus feeling a fear or anxiety, you know, it's like a double whammy for them. And then they experience feelings of guilt, shame, and then this cycle just starts over and over. So we refer to that as the dental fear cycle, Phil. Yeah, so that could have certain uh, not only obvious uh, health effects on the patient, negative effects where they're not maintaining their oral health, which we know now is connected to your systemic health, and that, that's a whole nother podcast. And doctors are going to get hurt, obviously, because they're not going to have the patient flow 
they're going to have more empty chair time, right? Uh, there'll be right. missed appointments, et cetera. So let's talk about nitrous oxide oxygen sedation. And normally when I practice, we just call it nitrous oxide. Now it's the acceptable term is nitrous oxide oxygen sedation. Like that's correct. Said, that's what the anesthesiologists are using. What are the benefits? And um, tell us about how a dental office could utilize this in their practice. Okay. I'm happy to do that. And Phil, I, I just want to tag onto a comment that you sort of closed that section with, with the impact on the dental team. When we have a patient who's stressed, who's anxious, those of us clinicians, sort of a feeling of inadequacy if, if we can't help the patient um, to feel more comfortable. Um, we have reduced patient co cooperation, which can lead to longer, you know, uh, treatment time. And that takes more of our resources as well. And so this whole thing impacts, as you said, not just the patient, but the practice. So what are the advantages of nitrous oxide oxygen sedation? It is the safest drug on record because there are, there are minimal side effects. You end up with cooperative and relaxed patients. Um, there's a potential for an increased efficiency, both for the patient having to sit in the chair um, for you know, the duration of the treatment, as well as keeping on schedule. We have fewer cancellations, and a happy patient tells others, and an unhappy patient also tells others. So if you have a happy patient who had a great experience, that's where the referrals and the reviews are very positive, and you have the potential for attracting new patients. So it, it in fact, can be a practice builder. Yeah, and it's been around a long time. This is not a new... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, I mean, this is not new to the dental practice, nitrous oxide, oxygen sedation. This is... Um, the delivery systems have changed, and I think you're going to be talking about some of the... Um, we will. The details on that as far as some of the more advanced delivery systems and how doctors should be aware of the different kinds. It's just not... It's not like you just buy a nitrous oxide oxygen system and there it is. There's you have a choice, and some are better mm -hmm. than others for many reasons. Getting back to um, implementing them in the practice, what are some of the contraindications? As a clinician, the first thing we always want to do is make sure that we are taking, um, you know, a very thorough medical history with our patients so that we know um, what some of the you know their issues might be. It is important to realize this is safe for children as well as adults, so um, that makes it better. But you want to make sure that you have written consent each time that nitrous oxide oxygen is going to be delivered. It's not just a one and done. Um, if, you're under eight, if the patient is under 18, obviously, um, you need to have the parent or the responsible party with a written consent. But looking at uh, contraindications, um, you know, think about you have to be able to breathe. And so you, anything that's going to affect the respiratory system. So um, COPD, if they have, you know, an upper respiratory infection, um, if they have, there are certain psychological issues that need to be considered. So that should be consult with their um, medical physician. Um, if they've recently had intraocular surgery, um, and always if a patient is expecting, you'd want to confer um, especially, you know, first trimester is a contraindication, but you confer with the OBGYN or their physician. Um, other things would be if there's any facial injury that would prevent safe fitting of the mask. And then there's some other things like, well, obviously, asthma. But because of um, open spaces and the way that the nitrous sort of is attracted to those hollow open spaces, you have to think about people that have like... Um, an, an otitis media, um, ear infection, 
Um, th those are just some of the contraindications. Cystic fibrosis, sickle cell disease, um, that could be a whole lecture in and of itself, Phil, but that gives you a quick list. And the other thing is we have the ability to titrate, to monitor. That's the third time we've talked monitoring today, Phil. Mm -hmm. But we can monitor the delivery of that drug to meet our patient's needs. So they get an almost immediate onset. We use it at the level that is based on the patient's need. And then when we finish the procedure, five minutes of pure oxygen, and they're ready to walk out the door. There's no residual. So, so it's a rapid elimination, rapid recovery. Tell us about some of the tips that you would recommend to our doctors in your experience uh, based on what works um, for preparing the patient for nitrous oxide. I think it's important that patients know that they either can ask for it or they're offered. You know, we don't say, well, you know, we only offer to special patients. You may not know that patient who's feeling anxious and simply by asking. The other thing that I highly recommend and we discuss in our lectures is the use of some type of a quick patient survey because sometimes patients are going to find it easier to tell you or identify their anxiety on a piece of paper that and there are there's three different scales that are com commonly used in the in the states. And that also provides the dentist or the practice with documentation saying this is why this patient needed the nitrous oxide, and that helps with your documentation for your insurance as well. So I think being able to identify the patients, whether they tell you or you use a tool to tell, and then you're going to do consent. Um, making sure that all of your staff um, is trained appropriately for your state because there are different regulations depending upon your dental hygienist, your dental assistant, as far as are they allowed to monitor, are they allowed to administer, and that's on a state-by-state -state basis. I also like the idea of giving patient we set them up to say, you know, you're going to feel, you don't want to give them specific feelings. You don't want to say you're going to feel floaty because if they don't feel floaty, then they think it's not working. So try and speak in general terms as of just sort of a, a, a good, you know, overall feeling and allow them to have hand signals to let you know if something isn't feeling right because we want to reduce talking. When they talk, they're going to be obviously, you know, when you're, they're not breathing when they're talking. So we want them to continue breathing. So just give them hand signals to say, you know, lift an index finger if you're uncomfortable, lift an index finger if you have a question. But I think that puts them back into control, which can help to ease their anxiety a little bit. Also, the position of the patient in the chair. You know, sometimes they feel like an upside down turtle when they're in there and they get claustrophobic with all of us around them. So we have to make sure that we've created, you know, a, a welcoming space that they feel not tied to the chair based on the equipment that we've placed on them. And I also like to ask my patients to seat the nasal mask themselves if they can, because if I, you know, lift it up and place it on there, it's a little bit more controlling. If I place the mask in an area where they can reach it and help them to do it, then they feel like they're participating. And, you know, some of our, our manufacturers are also scenting masks with, you know, scents like strawberry and pina colada and mint and bubblegum. And that pleasing scent, you can say, you know, do you smell the strawberry? And you know what people do, Phil, when you say, do you smell it? They're going to take a deep breath. So that's going to help with the administration. Those are just a few of the things that I can think of. Now, those are some great tips.
those are really some excellent tips that, I mean, in all the years that I practiced endodontics, I could have used a couple of those tips along the way, <laughs> but I don't think they Sorry made it. The, wasn't there for you. Yeah, no, I know, I know. They, they, but they didn't make the strawberry masks at that time. I don't think I would, <laughs> I think I would be sick if, if I was administered nitrous oxide with bubble gum. Yeah, it's a little sweet for an adult, but children love it. And that's why they do things like mint and vanilla and orange sherbet. So it's not as sweet. Yeah. And, you know, we have choice and you have choices of unscented as well. Right. And remember, the gas itself doesn't have a scent to it. If somebody is um, sort of uber sensitive, they may describe something as it smells sweet. But it's not like when we used to think about, you know, ether had a very distinctive smell. Nitrous oxide does not. Right. Ether used to make people so sick, too. Those were absolutely those were the ancient days. All right. Well, um, great information. And as I said, those tips were excellent. And I hope our viewers take that back to their practice tomorrow when they administer nitrous to their next patient. Um, what we've been talking about today was strategies to identify and manage patient fear and anxiety. And Leanne Kiefer was our guest speaker. And she has also done a great podcast on amalgam separation and EPA ruling, um, which you'll also be able to find on vivalearning.com and your major uh, podcast platform, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcast. And then she's also done a very good podcast on dental unit waterline monitoring and shocking, how to keep it clean. So please tap into those if you want some more information on those topics. And we have another one coming up uh, shortly, which will also be related to nitrous oxide oxygen sedation. And it'll, it'll talk about the, um, it'll focus on the delivery system itself, which is very important, and that's the difference between patient demand and positive flow systems. So we'll be talking about that shortly. Again, Leanne, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Phil, and let's remind our patients to just breathe.